Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. What's up, YouTube? Uh, today, what we're going to be talking about is uh, humanism, the lie of the serpent. Humanism, the lie of the serpent. Now, this is one of my pet peeves. These are things that I contend with sometimes because... I can't stand when people put give the power to men over God. You know, some people may not care about that, but that bothers me because I recognize that this goes all the way back to the time of the serpent. This goes all the way back to the very beginning, how man was deified and God was forgotten about. And ever since then, man has bore this curse in trying to be someone. Okay, so before we get going, I want to look up the definition of the word humanism because I want people to understand what it means exactly because that's what we're going to be talking about. All right, so here's the definition of humanism. It says an outlook or a system of thought attaching prime importance to human rather than divine or supernatural matters. Humanist beliefs... Uh, stress the potential value of goodness of human beings, emphasize common human needs, and seek solely rational ways of solving human problems. Then it says uh, a Renaissance culture movement that turned away from medieval uh, scholasticism uh, and revived interest in ancient Greek and Roman thought. Now, you know, that's true because we've done teachings on thinking Greek and it's unfortunate that a lot of people today do think Greek. That's what you're in a university for. You learn about Homer, you learn about Socrates, you learn about Plato, you learn about Aristotle, you learn about all these things. Even our government today comes out of the Roman or Greek Senate, okay? So we're taught to think Greek. And this is just one of the things that we'll have to pay attention to is what God's needs and his desires are because this is where man has overlooked uh, God and thrown himself out there. So the next one is, um, among some contemporary writers, a system of thought criticized as being centered on the notion of the rational, uh, autonomous uh, self and ignoring the uh, unintegrated and uh, conditioned nature of the individual. So you see, this is what we're going to talk about. Now, some people may see nothing wrong with that, but hopefully when we get through with this study, you know, this is what we're going to talk about. Even the Oscar symbol, which is what I chose for this particular study as a thumbnail, you know, kind of points towards what I'm talking about. You know, how look at how we even look at acting. We might enjoy our most favorite movies and things that we want to do, but Let's take a closer look. This person goes into the studio and only God knows how they got the position because I'm not going to go there tonight. But the point is, as they get there, they're in the studio. They're pretending to be someone that they're not. OK, now that's the beginning of it. But then 
what's really funny is, you know, you get autographs, you make millions of dollars and you're just there performing on the screen before so many people. And to me, it's like, what did they do that was so big that deserved this kind of attention? You know, but this is where they give Oscar awards and Academy Awards and your great career and the, 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 never, never mind you not being married, sleeping with tons of women, you know, living like hell. But these are who we aspire to and we look up to and we want to be like. And, you know, God set us to be in an even higher place than what man is. But you find a lot of men today, this is what they think about. This is what they want to enjoy are the things of this life. And you see that ever since the, the time of the serpent, man has been promoting men. OK, so before we get going, um, I want to say a quick prayer and then we're going to uh, do a psalm and we're going to get right into the study because you must understand why humanism is deadly. And we're going to take it as far as it can go. So I suggest that people, you know, really pay attention here because you're going to learn a lot and how you've been played and where this whole thing ends. All right. So Heavenly Father, in Jesus name, uh, thank you for this time of sharing. Thank you for the word of God. Lord, I thank you that, you know, you have enabled messages like these to get out that you've put onto my spirit, Lord, that I may speak about these things. I ask that you forgive us of our sins, iniquities, transgressions and shortcomings and those things that place a veil between you and us. And I ask, Lord, for your great anointing, that no man's heart be heard, that no flesh be glorified, but only by your spirit and edification that we may be taught what you want and that we may have an understanding of the tricks of the devil. So I just pray in Jesus' name that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, contention, or confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, all spirits of fear, doubt, and unbelief, I pray in Jesus' name that they be taken from the midst of us, Lord, and that we may invite the Holy Spirit here that you may break the bands of the wicked. So, Lord, we pray that you open the eyes of those who can't see and can't hear. We pray, Lord, that you reach out to people on live stream, YouTube, wherever we've got to go, that they may hear your truth. We pray and we ask that all these things be done for you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are faithful, just and true and worthy of all praises. Let all these things be done for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so what I want to uh, talk about tonight, as I said, is we're going to get deep into uh, humanism, the lie of the serpent. So I'm going to begin with the psalm. Let's go to Psalm um, 14, and we're going to begin at verse 1. Again, I encourage listeners, get your Bibles out in front. Why? Because this is a time for learning. This is the time to be equipped that we may learn the word of God and use it effectively against the enemy and his forces. Don't just be entertained. I personally use the King James Version. You know, I encourage it, but whatever Bible you have will do. But one thing that you should not do is just sit in front of anyone speaking about the Bible and you not there to read it or understand it yourself, okay? So this is uh, Psalm 14, we'll look at verse one. He says, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They are done abominable works. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. So you see, the fool will say in his heart, there is no God. Now we know through God's creation, as we talked about before, 
that you can't get order out of disorder. I don't care what these evolutionists tell you. I don't care with all these people, what they talk about, what they believe the shape of the earth is and all that. They're giving you their philosophy. We must understand that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And when the man thinks that he is capable of all evil because he has no boundaries or doesn't even believe in the fear of the Lord to do that, which is right. So he says in verse two, uh, the Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. So you see, like with humanism, a lot of things are promoted today. As I spoke about the awards, as I spoke about getting your degrees and everything that you want to do in this life, these things are so promoted and it's looked at like, man, these people are someone to be honored. And I'm not against having an education or a degree, but I want people to have an understanding where we're going and where we're headed and why we were taught the things that we were taught. Because in the end, it's all about deifying man, which is in so many ways to deify Satan. OK, so he says there's none that doeth good. No, not one. Verse four. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? Who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord? There were they in great fear, for God is in the generation of the righteous. So as you can see, God stands for righteousness, not unrighteousness, okay? Let's get that clear. Verse 6, ye have shamed the counsel of the poor because the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion when the Lord bringeth back the captivity of the people. Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. And God's will will eventually be done here. God will set this whole thing right. This is a wicked and corrupt and perverse world. And it's time that we open our eyes to it and see where it is. So if you want to look at Hollywood, I guess I'll have to go there again. But if you notice... Many of the things that Hollywood promotes and Hollywood goes after. And, you know, you got celebrities today telling you that they're losing their minds simply because of the fact that, you know, they've been in that atmosphere so long. They've slept with all types of men and women. They've had to go through all sorts of satanic initiations and sign their names in blood. And uh, these people couldn't get out if they wanted to. And I mean, they can if they accept Jesus Christ. But, you know, some people will do anything other than to come to God. And that is humanism. Some people want to be important. Some people want to be worshipped. Some people want to be loved. Some people prefer to be famous and have their lives destroyed than to pursue the things that God wants, okay? So that's just so important that we get a glimpse of this and we truly understand this. The director's couch has been out forever and how many women have been used and abused by this so-called being famous or this so-called humanism. You know, people look up to people like Sigmund Freud when Sigmund Freud was just a cokehead, you know, a drug addict that was, you know, pretty much insane. He had some of his philosophy. Look at Einstein's philosophy about relativity. You know, I mean, okay, it's relative. What did that prove? I'm not saying that some of these men didn't have intelligence, but let's bring up the simple fact that they never got to the end of the problem. They never got the real truth of all that is. They became famous through giving people their philosophy. And I mean, if I want to be famous, I could give you my philosophy and it doesn't have to make a bit of sense. But if I'm promoted by the right people, 
that will have me looked at as some great being, you know? And when you got to think about it, everything in this world, you know, the devil promotes and he calls great, but come on, man. You know, it. all these people have an end. Look at Michael Jackson. Look at Whitney Houston. Look at all the people that we looked up that we thought were so great. They're even defaming Martin Luther King right now with everything that he's done. The only one to ever walk this earth without sin and the only one who deserves all the praise, all the glory and all the honor is Jesus Christ, because you can't stain his name. No matter how much they try, the Bible holds true. All the prophecies Jesus has said holds true. But the Bible makes clear if we put our trust in man, that is the beginning of the fall of man. OK, so I want to get for I want to go forward. Let's go to Genesis three. I'm just going to look up something real quick, but I want people to have an understanding of where humanism came from. You can almost preach every message out of Genesis 3, because even though it's a few lines, that's how full God's word is. OK, a story simple as this can, you know, more than trump the knowledge of people and what they have and believe today, because we must understand where the beginning of all this came from. So this is Genesis 3. Let's look at verse 1. It says, now the serpent was more subtle. The serpent was more slick, more soft, you know, and crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, have God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. But the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruits, the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So the woman understood that, you know, there were two trees. One was the tree of life. The other was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, let's get that clear, because we did a teaching on this, too, with Sound the Trumpet Ministries. You know, it's all about the tree of knowledge of good and evil, meaning what? This tree had some good, but in, but overall it was evil and it led them away from the tree of life. So it was dualism. Look at verse four. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. So he turned her will away from the will of God. And then he says, for God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open and ye shall be as God's knowing good and evil. So you see the promise of the enemy there? You see what he says? He says that for one, God is a liar. That's what he tells you. And that's what you're learning in the education system today. They're telling you that God is a liar. They're telling you that Jesus Christ is an old name that you can push aside and everyone can believe in their truth, their values, their will, and their way. Okay, but as you can see, this the devil's never changed his tricks. So he told her that their eyes would be open, meaning they would have new understanding, which is what they try and promote in the new age religion today. This new manner of thought, this new lifestyle, this new way to be, the new way to think, the new, what do they call it? You get what I'm saying. But then he says, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. But you see, Adam and Eve, all they knew was good. So what the devil was trying to introduce them to was the depths of good, the depths of evil. And in doing so, look at what happens in verse six. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with them and he ate. 
and the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked. So the age of innocence was taken away from them like it was taken from us. And they sewed fig leaves upon, I mean, together and made themselves aprons. So as you can see, they were taking away from that, which was true, you know, because of the fact that they desired to be their own. And that's why when a lot of people get their master's and their doctorate, they become so proud. They think they know so much. And in doing so, they don't have to apply the Bible to their lives. This is how they feel because that word is old, but now I can go and stake my own claim. This is all a trick of the devil. So you look at verse eight and it says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and he said unto him, where art thou? And he says, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told thee that thou was naked? Has thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me the tree and I did eat. So as you can see, now this is becoming the blame game. Adam and Eve were made good and in the image of God, but now they're hiding their faces from God like people are doing today. They don't want to come before God because they know if they do that they'll have to change and be the creation that he always meant for us to be. So instead they hid behind these trees, they hid behind their philosophy, they hide today behind their knowledge and their so-called wisdom, and they think that these things are going to carry them, but they won't because you're gonna find that all these things come to an end, all right? So anyway, he says, and the man said unto the woman who thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle. Every beast of the field, uh, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and the dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And then God says in verse 15, something really interesting here. He says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. So it's important that we understand what this is all about, because as you see, you know, God said that there would be enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. You know, we're all born this day of the seed of the serpent, and we live this way for so long. We think that we are righteous in God's eyes, but really what God meant for us to do is be to become the seed of the woman. Okay, God meant for us to be the original creation, which he had, but man's knowledge, wisdom, and philosophy doesn't think that he needs it. But you know, what is there in the end of your whole life after you've done everything that you wanted to do, and then you end up going to hell, not knowing Christ? And the devil tries to hide this very fact from you that there is more in the spiritual realm, that there's nothing in the spiritual realm. Just pay attention to the carnal things of this life. And as you can see, when I read that definition of humanism, this is exactly what they teach to pay upon to pay attention to man being good, man not needing God, man not paying attention to anything that is um, you know, spiritual or supernatural, but to keep your mind in the here and now. That's what humanism is about. And you see, that's what the devil told Adam and Eve. Now, you know, they fell, 
They had to till the ground. God had to kick them out of the garden and God had to hide his face from us. So when people want to ask these questions today saying, um, well, where's your God? How come we can't see him? God has to hide his face from fallen man. That wasn't God's original plan. He wanted us to be face to face with him. But because of that fall, we now have to try and figure out where God is, which he, which, you know, he made it easy for us. He's given us his word. He's given us Jesus Christ, whether we want him or not. And God will give you revelation of who he is, what he wants, what he desires. But if we stay in our carnal minds and if we stay in this humanistic way of thought, we are missing out on a whole existence out there that is bigger than the physical carnal world. And you see, that is my pet peeve, because if they could show people the demons that are behind the music, the demons that are behind yoga, the demons that are behind the political system and the banking system and, you know, throughout this world where a lot of laws and things are being put in play and you see the image of God, which is man being destroyed. You know, if you could only see the spirit realm, you guys would be 100% stunned. But you see in humanism, all it pushes up is man, like Satan got Eve to pay attention to herself and they fell away in shame before God. And man is looking to get back to God ever since that day. Okay, so let's go to Genesis 11 because I want to bring up another interesting story because you see evolution should evolution suggests that man is becoming bigger, wiser, smarter and everything else. Well, really, we're going to find the opposite. You guys are going to see that man was wise even way back then, but man had the same problem. Now, you know, even before we go to Genesis 11, if you look at Genesis chapter four with Cain and Abel, you could see the division of the seeds, the seed of the woman that would follow God and the seed of the serpent, which would follow Satan. OK, you see that Abel was a good man before God. He gave the Lord his best. But Cain was a man that gave God a little something. But but Cain wanted to be his own man. And you see, when you've got that sort of thing going on, God has got to you know, uh, be away from you because this, this is the plan of the devil. This is what he always wanted. Satan fell before God because Satan was proud and he wanted his own way. And you see, he told man that he is God. And what did Shirley MacLaine uh, teach us in 1984? That, that whole satanic movie about, you know, you are God, I am God. That's what you're hearing today. Okay, the devil's philosophy has never changed in the past 6,000 years. He, what he got man to do to fall, he did himself, and man is still living by that today. So Genesis 11, let's look at verse 1, and it says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. So can you believe it? Before all these um, languages came around, men were all of one language and one speech. And there is evidence of this. Okay. So it says in verse two, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had a brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make a name lest we be scattered abroad 
upon the face of the whole earth. So here you see man's pride again. Here you see man wanting to make a name for, him, for himself. And these guys wanted to build a city and a tower that was so high that their, um, that their the top would reach into heaven. So some people would say, is that really possible? Well, if you go according to what the Bible says the earth is shaped like, because I am someone that, that totally believes that the earth doesn't shape like the government and everyone else says it does. I believe it's completely different. The Bible spoke of us having a firmament around the earth, which is what they don't tell you and I, because they want us to believe in all sorts of distant galaxies. That goes right back to the philosophy and vain deceit of men and the deception of Satan to get man to think that we are insignificant in this world and there are billions of galaxies out there and everybody loves them, okay? And, and we're just, uh, you know, dung on the bottom, you know, scraped up somewhere. So we must understand what this whole thing is about. All right. So anyway, they were all over the earth and they wanted to build a tower that they could um, be worshipped. OK, so let's look at verse five. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one and they have um, all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. So their imagination was to get into the heavens to fight against God. And we're going to read the Jasher account in a little while so that you might understand this story a little bit better. But they wanted to go up into the heavens to fight against God, to stake their own claim. And you see, that's what humanism does. When they tell you in NASA, and you guys can take this for what it's worth, but I know that this is 100% true, but when NASA, NASA tells you that there are asteroids coming to the Earth, that's why they're building a planetary defense system, you better think again. What they are building is that which will go against God. They're, they're looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ so that they can fight against him. So NASA will tell you there is no God, there's nothing but distant galaxies and all these things out there, but yet they're setting up a planetary defense system to fight against the very God that they tell you don't exist. So that's why you gotta understand the cunning and the lie of the serpent. So it says, God says that what he sees the people are imagining to do, that nothing would be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. So they had the technology to get up there. Look at verse seven, go to, let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth and they left off to build the city. So this is where all the languages come from. And I believe there's like 176, you know, um, languages original languages or whatever, but even those who study linguistics can tell you that it all goes back to one language. So this story is 100% true. And this is where we get all the languages. It was a curse because when man bound, they, they were bound together in one language, the devil was able to use them to try and turn against God as one people, okay? And of one speech. So this is what the devil is continuing to do when you look at the fact that there is, um, you know, the World Wide Web. If you look up that www, it means 666, but we don't have time to get into that. But the point is, is that 
the devil through Google Translate and so many other ways. He's linking people together today with the spirit of Antichrist so that you can watch the Oscars in Africa. You can watch this in Germany or Europe or, you know, in Europe or any other place, South America, because the devil has one message. He is promoting the spirit of Antichrist to get the people to fight against God. Okay, so it says, um, and look at verse eight. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of the whole earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there uh, confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So the word Babel means, um, you know, mixing by confusion. And this is what you're getting today. You're getting a lot of confusion. Everybody's thinking their way is way and not understanding what the true way of God is. This is all a plot and a plan of the enemy because the enemy wants you to have variety because if you go for variety, you will keep your eyes off of the one true God. This is why he puffs us up with knowledge and our own wisdom and understanding because he wants you to stay away from the wisdom and the knowledge and understanding of the one true God. And if you notice... Many of you that I'm speaking to today were raised in the faith, but you strayed away from the faith because you've gone to school and was taught that the Bible is old and archaic and you don't need it. So what, what is the message being promoted through evolution, through humanism, through desiring man and what man's wisdom and knowledge are? It is all a spirit of antichrist to get you to fight and to hate Christians and the word of God. You're going to see where this is going. You're going to see why the devil has made this world so fun and so entertaining and so full of pride, because it's only meant to do one thing, to get you to fight against the one true God. And I'm going to prove this today. We're going to talk about all of this because it's important that we have an understanding. But before we do that, this again is my little book of Enoch, book of Jasher and Jubilees. The book of Jasher is referenced twice in the Bible, and it was called the book of the upright one. Let us look at this Tower of Babel story again. This is the book of Jasher, and this is chapter nine. But this is going to put more emphasis on what I just read so you can understand how mad and insane the people are with the spirit of Antichrist that they would do anything to fight against God. This is why these people cause wars and they do all these different things to make money off of you. This is why they promote so much on these commercials and things that mock Jesus and make fun of the God of the Bible because they want you to become a humanist, okay, and care about you being God and the promotion of man other than seeing that if God is our creator, then he knows what to do with you and I that we can be righteous. And this is what Jesus fought against. This is what every prophet of the Bible, every king, every judge, every patriarch fought against was this very spirit. Okay, so, you know, the guy that we're speaking of is Nimrod. Nimrod was the guy that got people to build a tower. And it's unfortunate that people need to understand Nimrod is alive and well in worship today. Okay, Nimrod is behind every, you know, holiday that you can think of. Nimrod is behind um, every religion you can think of, they all worship him. You know, they call him Allah. They call him, you know, um, what is it, Apollo. And they call him all these names that you might look up. But behind every culture is Nimrod. And I want people to understand this. So he taught men how to take their eyes off of God 
and to focus on him and promoting him. It's the same thing they do in politics today. We're still looking and voting for the right man in office, not even realizing these men are all liars. Man can't save you. Only God, only Jesus Christ can save you. So let me just make the point. This is verse 20. This is Jasher 9 and 20. It says, and the king Nimrod reigned uh, securely and all the earth was under his control. And all the earth was of one tongue and word of and words of union. And all the princes of Nimrod and his great men took counsel together, which is a uh, put or foot, Mitzrayim, Cush, and Canaan. So a uh, put or foot is really um the uh Libyans today, okay, and Mitzrayim is the Egyptians, the Cushites are the Ethiopians. And the Canaanites are the people that dwelled in the land before the coming, you know, the, the seed of Ham and uh, with their families. And they said to each other, come, let us build ourselves a city and in it a strong tower and its top reach into heaven. And we will make ourselves famed so that we may reign upon the whole earth in order that the evil of our enemies may cease from us. Uh, that we may reign mightily over them and that we may not become scattered over the earth um, on um, account of their war. So you see, God didn't tell them to do this. Man wanted to do this. And when man chose to do this, he wanted to make a name for himself. He wanted to be great. He says so that they would be famed. And this is what people are searching for, fortune and fame. But look how many people followed after it lived a short life, met their demise, going crazy, insane on drugs, and died in some of the worst, man, accidents that can even happen to a person. There's a reason for that, because a lot of these people will even tell you the truth. You guys can look it up. Everyone that wants to be a celebrity in Hollywood has to sell their soul, excuse me, to the devil. And this is where people today want to sell their soul, I mean, well, back then, sold their souls to Nimrod, because he took them off of the one true God. So it says in verse 22, and they all went before the king and they told the king these words and the king agreed with them in this affair. And he did so. And all the families assembled consisting of about 600,000 men. And they went to seek uh, an extensive piece of ground to build the city of the, and the tower. And they sought in the whole earth and they found none like one of valley at the east of the land of Shinar, about two days walk. And they journeyed there and they dwelt there. An interesting thing, too, guys, about the Tower of Babel is this, is that it was built not too far from where the Bible says the Garden of Eden was. So you see, I believe that the devil knew from being in that area that he could make his own garden of Eden, bring forth his own goodness. And I believe that might've been a gateway or portal where you can go up to the heavens. Cause when it says the Lord God came to see Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, you wonder how God got through, but God can do anything, okay? But the point I'm making is, I think that Nimrod had some understanding of that ground. It says that they searched the whole earth looking for a place to build this tower, but they could not find it. But all of a sudden they found this land 
okay, what you would call um, ancient world Mesopotamia and what you find is Iran and Iraq today, you're going to wonder why there's going to be so much war in that region because that area was a place that God uh, wanted to, to use. It was Babylon, you know, okay, so let's let's continue. And then it says, so they dwelt there, uh, let's see, I believe I'm in verse 24, and they began to make bricks and to burn fires uh, to build the city and the tower, and they had imagined to complete. And the building of the tower was unto them a transgression and a sin, and they began to build it. And while they were building against the Lord God of heaven, they imagined in their hearts to war against him and to ascend into heaven. So you see that this is pretty insane because all it took was a little pride and these people were willing to go and to fight against God. You see how that works out? You see how these people, once you get a little bit of pride pushed into you, you start thinking about your achievements and not God. And because of that, that made these guys transgressor. Now, what is a transgressor? It's someone that hears and knows the truth of God, but rebels against him and does their own thing. That's a transgressor, okay? So it made clear that as they began to build this tower, they began to see themselves as some great individual. And, and in doing so, now they want to fight against the one true God, okay? And they had this in their hearts, and it says that they wanted to ascend into heaven. Look at verse 26, and all the people, and all these people, and all the families divided themselves in three parts. And the first said, we will ascend into heaven and fight against him. And the second said, we will ascend into heaven and place our own gods there and serve them. And the third part said, we will ascend into heaven and smite him with bows and spears. And the God and, and God knew all their works and all their evil thoughts. And he saw the city and the tower which they were building. So you see, this is how people want to fight against God today. I already explained about this planetary defense system, but they're broken up in three parts. Isn't that interesting? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's what Baphomet is all about. And I got a teaching coming up on that with the three horns on the head. But I want to stick to the subject now. So this is what these people wanted. Look at verse 27. And when they were building, they, um, they built themselves a great city and a very high and strong tower. And on account, sorry guys, and on account of its height, the mortar and bricks did not reach the builders in their ascent to it until those who went up had completed a full year. So can you imagine a feat, a tower so great that it was like um, a, to get one brick from the bottom to go up to the top took a year. Now, this was the greatest feat ever made. And Alexander the Great and all these guys knew about this tower. They got to see what was left of it. But, you know, let's just continue reading. So until a full year was completed, one brick from the bottom unto the top. And after that, they reached to the builders and gave them the mortar and the bricks. Thus, it, thus was it done daily. So every day, these people worked hard to build this tower. Verse 28. And uh, behold, uh, these ascended and others descended the whole day. And if a brick should fall from their hands and, and get broken, they would all weep over it. And if a man fell and died, uh, none of them would look at him. 
So these people were so idolized on building this tower for their own name that if a brick fell, one brick, if it fell and broke, that these people would cry their eyes out. But if someone that was up there doing construction, working, fell down and died, the people wouldn't even pay attention to them. They would just keep on building. That's how insane they were to be famous. And that's what humanism does to us. We overlook our refuge, our salvation, and we build and labor in vain and only to find out that we need Jesus at the end of our lives. So look at verse 29. And the Lord knew their thoughts and it came to pass when they were building, they cast the arrows toward the heavens and all the arrows fell upon them filled with blood. And when they saw them, they said to each other, surely we have slain all those that are in heaven. For this was from the Lord in order to cause them to err and in order and um, to destroy them from off the face of the ground. So God pretended that they were up there shooting, that they were killing God, but God did this to lure them in. Why? Because they chose not to follow God. So they want to continue to fight against him. Look at verse 30. For this from for this was from the Lord in order to cause them to err and in order to destroy them from off the face of the ground. And they built the tower and the city and they did this thing daily until many days and years were elapsed. And God said to the 70 angels who stood um, uh, foremost before him uh, to those that were near to him saying, come, let us descend and confuse their tongues that one man shall not understand the language of his neighbor. And they did so unto them. Now, people who study linguistics know that the Tower of Babel, I mean, not the Tower of Babel, that uh, there, there are 70 original languages that came out of this one language. Do the research, guys. So it says in verse 33, and from that day following, they forgot each other, his neighbor's tongue, and they could not understand to speak in one tongue. And when the builder took from the hands of his neighbor um, lime or stone, uh, lime or stone, which he did not order, the builder would cast it away and throw it upon his neighbor and he would die. So when they were saying, okay, lift the bricks, some people were thinking to let the bricks go because they couldn't understand each other. So they were killing each other up there, you know, trying to build this tower. Look at verse 34. And they did so many days and they killed many of them in this manner. And the Lord smote the three divisions that were there and he punished them according to their works and designs, those uh, and designs, those who said, We will ascend to heaven and serve our gods, became like apes and elephants, and those who said, We will smite the heavens with arrows, the Lord killed them. Uh, one manner, I mean a uh, one man through other hand and his neighbor, and the third division of those who said we will ascend to heaven and fight against him. The Lord scattered them throughout the earth. So you see, if it wasn't for God having grace on the third division, there would be nobody on the earth, but these people were scattered. Okay, so it says in verse 36, and those who were left among them, when they knew and understood the evil which was coming upon them, they forsook the building and they also became scattered upon the face of the whole earth. And they ceased building the tower, I mean the city and the tower, 
Therefore, he called that place Babel, for there the Lord confounded the language of the whole earth. Behold, it was at the east of the land of Shinar. So as you can see in the east, you know, that place is still there today. You can see what was left of the Tower of Babel because Alexander and his men burned that third of it down, but it's still there. And he says that it was swallowed up by the earth also. All right, so let's look at verse 38. I'm just about done, guys, and we're going to get right into what God's word wants, okay, and what this is all about. Verse 38, and as the tower which the sons of men built, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up one third part thereof, and the fire also descended from heaven and burned another third, and the other third is left to this day, and it is of that part which was aloft, and its circumference is three days walk. So can you imagine that what was left before Alexander the Great, you know, tried to destroy it and burn it down? He says that what was left of this is it would take three days journey to walk around the circumference of the Tower of Babel. That's how big this thing was. It was bigger than any skyscraper, you know, today. But now you've got this, um, I think there's this X-1000 or X-6000 that the Japanese are planning for. They've got this, um, what is it? It's like a skyscraper, but it's supposed to house at least 2 million people. And it's supposed to be six miles into the sky. And um, there is one called the Ultima Tower that they're planning here in America that will house about a million people. It will be a city and a tower. How fitting. And it's going to um, be so huge that, I mean, you guys can look it up, Ultima Tower, U-L-T-I-M-A Tower, okay? And it's going to show you what they're planning. So they're trying to bring this Tower of Babel right back. So it says in verse 39, and many of the sons of men died in that tower, a people without number. So as you can see, you know, God wants us to be, you know, righteous, but, you know, they built the Titanic. The Titanic. They built the, the uh, Twin Towers. They always talk about the unsinkable Titanic and, you know, going into large human feats only to see them brought down and destroyed. Why? Because there is none that is above God. God hates humanism. And we're going to see what this is about. We're going to continue. So let's move on. I want to go to a place. Uh, let's go to Jeremiah 17 and let's look at verse 1. Jeremiah 17 and 1. All right. Look at Jeremiah 17. Let's look at verse 1. And it says, And the sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron and with the point of a diamond, and it is graven upon the table of their hearts and upon the horns of your altars. While their children remember their altars and their groves by the green trees upon the high hills, O my mountain in the field, I will give thy substance and all thy treasures uh, to the spoil and thy high places for sin throughout all the borders. And thou even thyself shall, dis shall discontinue from thine heritage that I gave thee, and I will cause thee to serve thine enemies in the land which thou knowest not. 
for we for ye have kindled a fire in mine anger, which it, which um, shall burn forever. So let's look at this. Let's think about this. Now, um, the children of Israel would not obey God. And because they wouldn't, God said that they would end up in captivity and would serve their enemies. I want people to have an understanding that this is going to come to America. This is the plan of the new world order. Okay, this country, which we call America, has already been sold. It's been bought and paid for. Okay, I believe that they said Russia has the West Coast. China will have the East Coast. Great Britain will have the area around the Rockies, you know, the Rocky Mountains and all like in Denver and all that. That's what the Denver airport is all about. And, you know, um, a bunch of other countries will cut up little small, you know, portions and in, in, uh, shares of this country. But this is only going to occur because America has taken its eyes off of the one true God. America has said we don't need God. America promotes things above God and gets into abominable, you know, laws and things that are outside of God. And because you have this, this is what's going to destroy men. Okay, because once you take your eyes off of God and his values of being Christ like, then the only thing left for you is to be governed by the devil. So I hope that people enjoy it because this is where it's going to head. You better turn to Christ while you can now because America will be unrecognizable. Why is Trump building up that wall? If you guys look at the 10 region world map, you can see that there's a part of Mexico that is connected to South America. So they're building that wall not to keep immigrants out, but to further along the agenda to keep people from leaving this country at the time things get real crazy. Okay, so we must understand that this is happening right before our eyes. This might have happened to Israel, but history repeats itself on anybody that focuses on being a humanist and, you know, a humanist country and you won't give it to Christ. Look at verse five. Thus saith the Lord. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm, his hope, his refuge, and uh, whose heart departeth from the Lord. So the Bible made clear here, cursed is the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm and his heart departs from the Lord. We're going to see that this is even going on in churches for people who love and worship their pastor more than they do Christ. People that think all you got to do is go to church and sit there and hear messages, but you don't have to have a relationship with Christ. Humanism is even in the false Christian church. Humanism is in the political system. Humanism is in the education system. And this is what they're doing. They're cursing man by making him put his trust in man so his heart can depart from the Lord. Okay, the devil is well aware of what he was doing. What did he do to Adam and Eve? He put he made them put their trust in themselves by eating of that tree of knowledge of good and evil, paying attention to self and forgetting about God. And what happened? We've been living and fighting with that curse ever since. Excuse me. Okay, so it says in verse six, for he shall be like the heath in the desert and shall not see when good cometh but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabit it. Blessed is the man who trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. So you see, you're blessed when you trust in God, but if you go against God, you know, you will be, 
you'll be cursed, okay? So let's look at verse eight. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. So I want to tell people listening to this because I just told you about America and what the plan is and how they plan to cut this place up like one big turkey that they're going. It's not going to be recognizable. We are going to serve our enemies. Now, I don't have any enemies because I'm not a patriot. I believe in Jesus Christ and I'm for his kingdom, not for this. Okay. But the point is, is that um, those who believe in Christ, even when this place gets taken over, he says they'll never be without. They will be taken care of. Now, the evidence of this in the Bible is you watch Daniel. He went through three captivities, three persecutions. And even then, Daniel was still favored with the Lord. Joseph was brought to Egypt, sold into slavery, and he still had favor with the Lord. So we better understand that being a humanist is not going to be enough to get you through in this. You better know God, because what humans are about to find out is that you can't put your trust in humans. Humans got ulterior motives. Humans walk around with a fallen nature and are full of evil. Humans are greedy. Humans desire to be someone great, even if their brother is condemned. Okay, so those who put their trust in humans are going to find out the true heart of humans without God. All right, so he says in verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. So you see, if your heart is not governed by God and following what God wants you to, what you will do is, is have an affection for something that is evil. Evil is deceptive. Evil has many you know, avenues that you can go down. And one of the ways to get people to be a part of evil is to push pride. If it's pushed that you can be somebody, it doesn't matter to a human how many people you step on to get there. You want to consider yourself successful. But what God wants is for us to learn of his ways to love him. First and foremost, love our brethren and we'll be blessed. America is about to be judged because they've allowed humanism to control their thinking. Okay. And, and unfortunately, there's a price to pay for that. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 3 and let's look at verse 16. I want to go there and then we're going to really open this thing up. All right. Ecclesiastes 3, and let's look at verse 16. Now, Solomon was the wisest of men before the coming of Jesus Christ. But look at what he saw and he understood. This is what the Lord has shown him. So it's Ecclesiastes 3 and 16. And moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment, that wickedness was there, and the place of righteousness, that iniquity was there. And what is iniquity? That's the very fallen nature that we have within, that unless we're born again and we accept Jesus, we're going to find out exactly what we are. Look at verse 17. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. I said in mine heart concerning the estate of the sons of men. So that's humans, that the God uh, that God might manifest them and that they may see that they are themselves, that they themselves are beasts. 
So he's making it clear that a man without God is a beast. Look at 19. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beast. Even one thing befalleth them as the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they all, I mean, they have all one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence over a beast, for all is vanity. So let's take a real close look at man and beast right now, so we may have some understanding. Because some people would say, well, I'm not a beast. You know, I'm a human. I'm intelligent. I know this and that. Okay, so let's examine. Let's look at such a thing called fornication. All right, now some people may say, well, I'm not a beast. But you see, dogs don't have to get married either to do what they do. Neither do lions, neither do any other animal. Okay, but God tells us to be holy, to make a vow and commitment before him that we may live in a righteous way. But look at what beastly man is even calling it today, hooking up. Yeah, I'm going to meet this woman. Yeah, let's just hook up. Let's go to the hotel and have some fun. You know who hooks up? Dogs. So how are we any different? Dogs die, man dies. Animals get sick, man gets sick. But you see, those who are of Christ have the spirit of Christ that they may live righteously. So you see what humanism's all about? It's promoting a beast and making them think that they're more than they are. Without God, we are not. Look at verse 20. All go unto one place, all are of the dust, and all turn to dust again. And then you can see this with animals. Animals die, they turn to bones, and eventually dust. Man dies, he turns to bones, and eventually dust. Okay, so you can see without God, man and animal are the same. Isn't it amazing how they were both uh, made on the sixth day? Is something for us to understand about that. Remember the enmity between the woman seed and the serpent seed. The serpent seed is beast-like in nature. What is a serpent? A beast. So if you spring forth and you take a part of his works and his um, seed, then you are a beast. But if you be of God, you will be the seed of the woman, which is what? Like the bride of Christ. So it says in verse 21, who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward and the spirit of beast that goeth downward to the earth? So as you can see, those who have the spirit of, of man or like that God meant for them to have, he's going up unto heaven. He's becoming more heavenly minded. He's living the high life. But the man that wants to be a beast, he's headed downward to a lowly, low down nature like a beast has. Look at verse 22. Wherefore, I perceive that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his portion, for who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? Now, this guy Solomon wrote 12 chapters of what vanity is. Vanity is pretty much, you know, like that breath you have on a cold day, you breathe out and you see the breath materialize, but then it just evaporates. Well, that's exactly what vanity is. It's the cares of this life. He gave so many examples of things that we think are so important. And without God, it's just all vanity. It all goes away. You buy new shoes, new shoes get old. You buy a house, the house gets old. You know, you, you come into this world born, you get old. Everything has an expiration date except the spirit of God and those who follow him. Because after this life will be one to come. But we must learn to live the high life of God and not the low down, lowly life of man or beast. 
Okay, so I want to move on. Let's let's continue. So you know how man believes that he is righteous. Let's look at Isaiah 64 and let's look at verse one, because you see man is not righteous, no matter how he tries to paint himself. You know, I work in the education system and I'll tell you something funny. How people can tell you that they, um, you know, that we have students and we tell the kids don't curse. You're not supposed to be cursing. That's not proper language for school. But you want to know something interesting? As soon as the kids leave, you've got the staff and teachers cursing. So uh, what is the point in telling them to not be right? But you see how we're only righteous by our own standards. You see how we can look at the news and we can see criminals and we can say, well, criminals are no good. Look at them. They're no good. But how many times have you ran the speed limit? What about your illegal cable? What about the criminal activities that you commit that you haven't been caught for? You think about that. Are we really so different from anyone else by our own righteousness? But Jesus Christ is righteous because he had no sin. He had no iniquity. There was no guile in his mouth. He lived every day as the son of God to worship the one true God. And that's what we better understand is we cannot be righteous of ourselves. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much we eat organic food and we work out and we try and be fit and we try and learn all the knowledge we can, all we are without God are educated beasts. Look at Harvey Weinstein, man. Look at the world. Look at what you're seeing before them. All these people caught up in scandal, but they're supposed to be good people, the prestigious people, the elite but they live like animals because they know not Christ. This is Isaiah 64, look at verse one. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. And when the melting fire burneth and the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. Amen. So this is speaking of the coming of Christ that, you know, God can, you know, he built it all and he can destroy it all. Look at verse three. And when thou didst terrible things, which we look not for, thou camest down of the mountains, flowed down at thy presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither have the eye seen. O God, beside thee, what he hath uh, prepared for them that waiteth for him. Thou meetest him uh, that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness. Those that remember thee in thy ways, behold, thou art wroth, for we have sinned, and those is and those is in those is continuance, and we shall be saved. But then it says, look at verse six, but we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. You guys wanna know what those filthy rags mean? It's talking about a used menstrual cloth. You guys can look this up in the Bible, what these verses mean. All of our righteousness are as filthy rags before God, why? Because when we try and be righteous, we have a little pride in the midst. We have a little false humility because we want people to see how humble we are. We have a false sense of wisdom because we talk just to talk so people may think that we're wise. Do you guys smell the stench that is on that? 
how you want to perform before others to be seen as a righteous person other than being what God says we can be? He says all of our righteousness are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf. That's right. We all expire and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold on thee. For thou hast uh, hid thy face from us and has consumed us because of our iniquities. So if you guys get a chance, because we don't have a whole lot of time to get into that today, but go to soundtrumpetministries.com and look up a teaching called Sin, Iniquity, Transgressions, and Wickedness. Why? Because these are, are uh, iniquity is a nature that we inherited from Adam that, you know, no one teaches a child how to lie. You can have two kids four years old playing around in the house, don't, didn't even start school yet, don't even know really what lies and truth are, okay? They're just out there playing. One of them knocks over a lamp and breaks it. The parent comes in, who did that? One child will say, I did it because he recognizes that he's wrong. The other child will say, um, uh-uh, I wasn't there. I didn't have anything to do with it. What makes a person do that? What makes children be naturally selfish by nature? That is the iniquity within that God wants us to be born again, born of the spirit that we can reset to zero and not live ungodly lives. Okay, so you see by our own standards before God's eyes, our righteousness as is, is as filthy rags. So let's go to Colossians 2. We're going to dig in deep, guys. We're almost, you know, we're not going to have much longer. But let's go to Colossians 2 and let's look at verse 1. Because this is the problem. This is what we've got to look beyond. And you see, this is why the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 13, 16 through 18, he says that he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive a mark. That's the Antichrist. Now, what does anti mean? Against or in place of. So he causes all that are small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive a mark. And either they'll have the name or the mark of the beast or the name of the beast or the number of the beast name. So we must understand what that is because um, we, we better look up what God means for this. I want to uh, show you guys this because you're going to see how important it is that we don't accept the mark of the beast. If the mark is the least of your concerns, you may receive it by nature if you don't understand what these things are. Okay, so when it says, um, this is verse 17, and that no man might buy or sell save he that receive a mark or the name of the beast. Let's look up the name. This is G3686. And it says uh, of proper names, a name is used for everything which the name covers. Everything, the thought or feeling or which is aroused in the mind by mentioning, hearing, remembering the name and um, for one's rank, authority, interest, pleasure, command, excellencies or, um, or deeds. So you see, this thing is all about what we identify with, what we become a part of, because it's these things that will keep us from serving the one true God. So it says not just the mark, but the name of the beast. 
So we can have a lifestyle that identifies with the beast that will allow us to be beasts. So when, when the um, Antichrist comes and he says, well, you know, you're either going to follow Jesus or you're going to receive this mark because you won't be able to buy or sell. So you see why you've got to get your mind out of here unto Christ, unto heaven, and not here on the earth with man and beast? Because by nature, you will serve the beast, and some of us already are. So it says, or his name, or the number of his name. So let's look up the number. This is G706. And this says, a fixed and definite number. So what does he mean by that? He's speaking of a very nature. Man and beast were born on the sixth day. God's number is seven, which is in the spirit. If we choose not to highlight to follow God and be born again, we will be of a fixed and definite number, which is man or beast. All you've got to do to go to hell because of your own righteousness is be a man. Be your average, common, worldly living man, and you will go to hell without Christ because you don't have the righteousness in you to seek eternal life. I mean, not to seek it, but to inherit eternal life. You've got to seek a power higher than yourself, Jesus Christ the righteous, that we can be born again, have his spirit, and live as Jesus Christ lives. So you see, a lot of people are going to take the mark of the beast. Have you noticed it's called the mark of the beast? So you see, God is trying to take us away from that, that we will be sealed with the righteousness of God and in his spirit. So this is Colossians 2, guys, and let's look at verse 1. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. So it makes clear here that God wants us to be close with him, but we've got to have our hearts knit to God and the things that God wants. Why? So that we might with full assurance of understanding, we'll have understanding of God, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God. So you see how I told you guys earlier that God has hid himself from the face of man because men were unrighteous, okay? So, but when you partake in God and you understand that Jesus is the person of God, okay? He came in the flesh that we may mark and, and follow after him and be like him, okay? So this is how we learn the mysteries of God and we draw close to God if we allow ourselves to be in Christ. Look at verse three. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You think man knows something? Man is just a sugar ant. Man is just trying to rediscover what God had already made and that the, you know, the enemy had shown man what to do thousands of years ago. Okay, so that's so important that we understand this. So then he says, I believe I'm in verse four. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So see, God wants us to walk a much higher life in receiving Jesus. Let us taste the Lord and see that he is good, that we won't be caught up. 
with the cares or the affairs of this life. Look at verse seven, rooted and built up in him. So he don't just want us to walk with Jesus. He wants us to be rooted and built up in Jesus. Let him be your high tower, not the tower of Babel. Let Jesus be your strong tower and your refuge. And it says, and establish in the faith as ye, as ye have been uh, taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. But look at the warning he gives in verse eight. Beware, lest at any man, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So you see, there's a lot of people here, and this is what the education system does. It will push you onto philosophy and vain deceit after the rudiments and the traditions of men and not after Christ. So he's telling us to beware of these things because to trust in man takes away the heart of God. They can't do anything about this book. This Bible is full of all that we need. Not only does it tell us the true history of man, but it also takes us to the place of knowing the future and we can actually watch it play out. So as you can see, the Christian and those who believe in Christ, they are gonna have knowledge of the end times. When people can't understand today, why is the economy collapsing? Why are jobs closing? Why are wars starting? Why is there sickness and famine throughout the land? Our word, which is God's word, told us what is coming, that we have a real enemy, a falling cherub, which is Satan, that is against God. We must understand these things, that we are at war. And who pushes humanism? Who wants you to, to you know, indulge in self? It is the devil, because he knows, because he put himself in front of God and he fell. He wants you to fall and enjoying and join him in that eternal lake of fire. Not for me, man, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ and what he wants. So you see, beware of men's philosophy and vain deceit that will take you away from the word of God. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians 1. And I wanna begin at verse one, because you're gonna find that this thing is even in the churches. This is not just a thing. I mean, he was even talking to the Colossians, which were one of the churches, but you're going to find that this thing runs rampant. This humanism is in the church. There's so many people, names like Joel's, D.T.D. Jake, Creflo Dollar. You got all these people worshiping, you know, men, and, and they forgot all about the word of God, giving over to prosperity doctrines and all sorts of foolishness. There ain't no way, no how. That is humanism. This is 1 Corinthians uh, 1, and let's look at verse 1. And it says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. So, you know, guys, many of you might be doing some of the things that I'm talking about today, but we must have an understanding that, God, we were all that way, man. I was a whoremonger, okay? I was a liar. I'd done so many different things in my life that the Lord actually cleaned me up and took, it, took me from it. He showed me the filth within me that was able, to, that made me understand, hey, I need a savior. 
I'm not alive and well and, you know, full of knowledge and wisdom and understanding. I'm sick. I was out of my mind, but he made it clear, you need a savior to move and walk forward with him. So, you know, that's why I gave my life to Jesus and he's washed me clean from so many different things and he's still taking things away from me. Why? Because he's trying to perfect me and mature me in him. I got my struggles like any other man, but I see the Lord taking them from me. You see, because he wants me to be righteous. He wants me to be holy. The Bible says, be ye holy for he is holy. For without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. All right. So he says, uh, I believe this is verse three, grace be unto you and peace from God, our father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So why do we know Jesus? That he can make us whole, that we will be seen blameless at the coming of Christ, because we've allowed him to clean us out from the inside out. But you see in a lot of churches today, in a lot of places, you don't get that from people. They tell you to join the church, but they never tell you about your sin and to have a personal relationship with Jesus to get the sin out of you. You would never believe how many people that sit up in churches will go to hell at the end of time because they didn't know Jesus they knew their church, they knew their congregation, they knew their denomination, and that's where they rested. And they thought by going to church every Sunday that that was their duty. Now, I will say that that is the beginning, is to learn and sit down and learn about Christ, but this is all that we may have a personal relationship with him and draw closer with Jesus that we may do the works of Jesus ourselves. Verse nine, God is faithful by whom ye are called, unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So do we see that in a lot of churches today? No, because you've got Pentecostals, you've got Methodists, you've got Baptists, you've got Episcopalian, you've got Lutheran, You've got all these different denominations. Why? Because man has said it in himself. I'm going to make the denomination for me. And in doing so, they have turned from the one true God. So he says in verse 11, for it, for it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. He says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? So Paul is bringing correction here because you got people here that will say, I'm a member of Joel Osteen's church. I'm a member of Creflo Dollar's church. I'm a member of T.D. Jakes' church or Joseph Prince. We must understand 
if we're Christians, then we only fall up under one name, and that is Jesus. Yes, there may be different. And by the way, none of those men that I spoke of are Christian. Okay, so let's just get that out real quick. But the point I'm trying to make is, is, is what Jesus is saying, or what Paul is saying here, is that these people have declared, I'm of Paul. I'm a part of Paul's group. I'm a part of, you know, uh, Peter's group. I'm a part of John or, or, or Apollos's group. Okay, but look at what he says. Christ is not divided. And was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So were you baptized in the name of Derek Hallett? Were you baptized in the name of Paul or Peter? The only avenue this is used for is that people may know Christ, not to follow after me. Okay, I might be here teaching the word because that is the assignment that the Lord has given me in my life, but I don't want anyone to identify with me. You identify with Christ, okay? Because he's the only perfect one. So look at verse 14. I thank God that I baptize none of you but unto Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I have baptized in mine own name. And I baptize also the household of Stephanus besides. I know not whether I baptize any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. So a lot of people think that the Bible is foolishness. Why preach the cross? Why preach about Jesus? How can one man be so important or one person in history be so important that it's going to affect my life? Because these people believe that the, the, the um, preaching of the Christ is foolishness, okay? Because they know not God. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. God does this every time. Every time we think we're so wise and so brilliant, we end up running into a problem that our little pea brains can't understand. You know, and what happens? People begin to turn to God. Look at verse 20. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Have God not made, have God made, have not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? And he does. Men are still trying to figure out how to do things. And God has already told us from the beginning, I am your creator. All you've got to do is accept Jesus Christ and let him clean us out and work with us. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. So you see, the world by his own wisdom didn't know God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching um, to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign. That's the religious people. And the Greeks seek after wisdom. Those are the worldly people that have their own philosophies and their own minds. So he says, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block. Why? Because there's so many religious people out there that think that they can be made whole by their own efforts, that Jesus is standing there like a stumbling block. They're going to keep tripping over him until they accept him. You're going to be in Catholicism and Islam and all these other cultures, and you'll walk on your knees till they bleed. There are many that will even try and crucify themselves 
okay, because they think that this is going to bring forth something when really all you're trying to do is some form of penitence, but what God wants is repentance and you got to accept Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto God but through Jesus Christ, not through the Virgin Mary, not through Allah, not through Buddha, not through Krishna, not through the, the new Messiah, which the anti, which is the Antichrist that these Jews who have not accepted Christ yet are going to see. But you see, this is what it's about. So he says, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews. It's a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. You know why the Greeks don't like it? And when I speak of Greek, I'm talking about those who are of the world that have that philosophy mind. They've got that natural worldly mind. They can't receive the things that be of God. Why? Because humanism teaches you to dethrone the supernatural. Push it aside. Don't believe in that. Let's use our own logic to figure things out. And when you do that, you miss the boat. You miss all of God's wisdom. You miss all of the mysteries of the knowledge of God because your mind only pays attention to your five senses when there are greater realities than that which the natural five senses can have. Okay. So he says, um, uh, verse 24, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. So you see, there's a reason why a lot of people that consider themselves something big in this world, the noble, the mighty, you know, those that are after the flesh, God doesn't call those people. You ever notice why he went after a man like John the Baptist, a man in the wilderness? You know why he always brings forth the weak so that they can confound the strong to prove that you can't trust in your natural, carnal, worldly senses. You've got to rely on the power and the spirit and the wisdom of God. Okay, because God's wisdom and God's power is greater than all. So God will allow someone, look at verse 27, but God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty. Why? Because God is God. Whether you're weak or strong means nothing to him. God can exalt any single one of us to do his will. Why? Because we won't be relying on our own humanism and wisdom. We'll be relying on the strength of God, who is the true source of life, of all that is. So you see, look at verse 28. The and base things of the world and things which are despised have God chosen Yea, the things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him um, are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Look at the work that God can do in each one of us and work through us. So how can we find ourselves resting in these things? This world only defiles you. When you were a child, you were young and innocent. You didn't curse. You know, you smelled good. Your teeth were white as snow. You know, you came into the world pure. And after time, look at what the world does to you. It destroys you. Okay. And that's why we need to be born again 
and serve the one true God. So this is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I just want to skip to verse 14 because I want people to understand this. Let's look at verse 13, actually. Um, let's look at verse 12. So it says, we have, now we have received not the spirit of the world. So as you can see, humanism is a spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So as you can see, God wants you to know him, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receive not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So the natural man is the natural mind is the, the worldly mind. It's the Greek mind. It's the, you know, carnal mind that, you know, how humanism wants you to pay attention to, you know, carnal things, worldly things. You know, this is how the natural mind is. It relies on its five senses when there's a greater re, um, existence than that. So what your eyes can see, what your ears can hear, what you can taste and you can touch and you can smell, that's your reality. But there are other realms of spiritual um, existence that you can't get to unless you serve the one true God. Now, there are people who serve the devil that have spiritual experiences, but see, even those people know that there's a greater resistance, I mean, a, a greater existence than what you can see, touch, taste, and see, touch, taste, smell, and hear, okay? But that realm will lead you to hell and not unto God. It will deceive you into your own pride, your own wisdom, your own knowledge. I'm a God by my own standards because I can levitate. All that will do is lead you to hell because you know not the one true God. Satan has spiritual power. That's where the power in Buddhism comes in. That's where the power in Hinduism comes in. All these things are given by the devil, but those who follow the one true God those are the people that will make it in. So he says, the natural man can't receive the things of God because they're foolishness unto him, because they're spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man, because that man lives in accordance to the word of God and is allowing the spirit of God to clean out all unrighteousness. So he's already judging himself. Look at verse 18. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So we don't have a humanist mind. We've got a mind of Christ. That's what this thing is about. It's about following Jesus and letting go of humanism. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're almost done, guys. 1 Timothy 6. I want you guys to look at a warning that God knew was going to come to the people of God. Now, you know, earlier in the chapter of 1 Timothy chapter 6, God talks about that some people believe that, you know, having gain is godliness. So the more you have, the more God loves me. But the Bible made clear, but godliness, being godly with contentment, being happy with what God provides you with, that's the great gain. And then it says, let's look at verse 8. It says for or seven, he says, for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. So you see how you can spend your whole life wanting to be a celebrity and be some big individual here. 
But in the end, you can't take anything with you. So what was all that for? That was all to waste your time until you get to hell. This world is a matrix. None of this stuff is real. But the devil wants you to believe that this is more real than the eternal life of God. So it says in verse 8, And having food and clothing, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covered it after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So you see how you go after all these things you can have in this world that you error from the faith. You move away from God, you put your trust in man, and you become pierced through with many sorrows. But he says, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold unto eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. So guys, skip down to verse 20. Get this warning that God gave us 2,000 years ago. He's, um, this is Paul talking to his young apprentice, Timothy. He says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust that you can trust in, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith Grace be with thee. Amen. So that tells you there that he's, he's warning Timothy, keep that which is committed to, the, to thy trust, thy faith, the word of God, to avoid profane, which makes things dirty, and um, profane and vain babblings. Like evolution is vain babbling. The, the, um, what is it? The bang theory? That's vain babbling, where you talk about everything came from nothing. And it spun around and everything began to, you know, separate and, and become circles and this and that. That's all profane and vain babblings. That's foolishness. You're going to get something that was um, and you're going to make something out of nothing. I mean, come on, let's look at math. What does nothing plus nothing make? Nothing. OK, so how do you think that you're going to take something? Uh, from nothing and make it. The only one who can do that is God. But if you don't believe in that big bang, which is Christ, who made everything from the beginning, in the beginnings, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And what did he do? He separated the waters from the waters. He made a, a greater light to rule the day, which is what? The sun and a lesser light to rule the night, which is the moon. Now, some people actually believe they landed on the moon. Do your research and find out that they only landed in Arizona. OK, that's where they went and they claimed that they landed on the moon. The moon is a light. It's a great light. It is not a hard, rocky surface that people think it is. But you see, that false science and those profane and vain babblings have made a lot of people believe in things that were not of God. All right. I'm just about done, folks. Um, I want to go to Romans 17 and I can go out from there. But I mean, uh, not Romans 17, Romans 1. And we're going to look at verse 17. But I want people to understand um, in your spare time, read Romans 3, where it says there is none righteous. No, not one. Not one of us can be perfect before God. 
We all have flaws. We all have wicked hearts aside from Christ. And that's why we've got to be born again, that he can take these things from us. Why? So we can stop giving over to humanism and pay attention to what real righteousness, real holiness is. To live in accordance with God's will. All right, so this is Romans 1. And let's begin in verse 17. All right, this is going to sum up everything that we talked about, guys. So pay, so pay real close attention to this. So Romans 1 and 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Not just faith in self or not faith in self, but faith in the one true God. Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So a lot of these scientists, because Werner von Braun is the guy who made the space program, okay? There was no space program in America until Werner von Braun came across after the uh, World War II and Operation Paperclip, where they took all these German scientists and they brought them to the Americas and to Russia, okay, that they could build and teach them their technology. Now, where did the Germans um, learn this stuff? They will even tell you we had help from them. They were looking into the spiritual realm and they had this society called the Vril Society where um, they got into witchcraft and they got you know, into the spiritual realm where they were able to be taught by demons Okay, how to build technology and how to work on these things. This is what's breathing on the necks and the backs and the minds of the scientists today to build nuclear weapons and all these things. Man's not evolving. evolving. He's tapping into the spirit realm to learn the things that he can. But Werner von Braun, who became a Christian, knew that all the lies that they said concerning the world were not true. On Werner von Braun's tombstone, you guys can look this up. He had uh, Psalm 19 and verse 1 on his tombstone. Now, this is the father of NASA. And he said, the glory of the, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord and the firmament sheweth his handiwork. So Werner von Braun knew that the world was created just as God says. Okay, he knew that they weren't blasting into outer space. He knew all this stuff. But he died with that truth. But you see, a lot of the NASA scientists and people know this, too. But what are they doing? Like what like verse 18 says, they are holding the truth in unrighteousness. Why? Because this world hates God. This world doesn't want you to believe in God. It wants you to believe in man and his discovery when man is only rediscovering that which already was. Verse 19, because that which they may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shewed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So God gives us reason to believe in him and to not have excuse. Why? Because look at the, how the trees naturally provide oxygen for man. Who taught the trees to do that? Why is there mathematics in all of creation? If mathematics were placed in creation, then that proves that there's a mathematician. I mean, come on, guys. How do you get 12 parts day and 12 parts night? 1,100 or 1,440 minutes in a day. 
God, the number of 12 is God's number of government, 12 months in a year. Come on. I mean, we can go on and on 24 hours in a day. You know, Jesus had 12 disciples that were around him. 12 is God's number for government. So it's important that we understand God has given us reason to believe in him. Okay, because you look at all the order in creation, how he said he separated the clean waters or he separated the salt water from the uh, from the fresh water. Now, some people would say that's not true. But if you go into um, certain um, oceans where the Atlantic meets the Pacific, you guys can actually see those waters will never come together, just as God's word says. They would not come together. It looks like they're running up against a wall. It's really interesting. Look at fresh water meets salt water, and they just won't come in. But God says that he would never mix the two. So you see, God is the creator of all that is. But you should see it. You could see one is green and the other is bluish looking, and they just like rest up against each other and flow right back out. Why? Because God's law has put that in place that the two can never come together. You see, this is what we got to understand about God. He's given us excuse to believe. But look at what they do. He says they're without excuse, 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. Remember like the Tower of Babel? They became vain in their imaginations. And look at the result. And their foolish heart was darkened. So a lot of these people hate God, but they know he exists, but they don't want you to believe it. Why? Because their father is the devil. And the only thing they want to turn you on to is believing in Satan, not in the one true God. Look at verse 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. So it's foolish to not believe in God. We started that off in Psalm 14. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Because you know, I mean, look at the way that we're made. You mean to say evolution just came up and said, all right, you're going to have one ear for a while. And then eventually you're going to have another ear. And what are the ears going to be used for? Oh, to hear. Oh, you're going to grow teeth. So therefore, we're just gumming everything. So what were we doing while they claimed we were a primordial slime before we were built? Think about that, man. We couldn't have survived in that way. God made a creation. I'll tell you something else. We've got 24 ribs, which separate, which, which is the 12 tribes of Israel. I mean, the 12, um, the 12 uh, sons of Jacob and the 12 apostles. Okay, and the way that God made us is we've got 24 ribs representing the 24 elders and your heart is designed after the throne of God. It doesn't look like that heart that people do for, you know, Valentine's Day, but our heart has four chambers like the four gospels. Man, we better understand what God has done and what he means to do. We were fearfully and wonderfully made by our creator, which is God. Jesus Christ in particular. Look at verse 23. And change the glory of the uncorruptible God. So God is uncorruptible into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. So you see that? These people tried to change the glory of the uncorruptible God to made to be like the image of corruptible man. So you see people, a lot of people will hear what I said tonight and you know what they're gonna say to themselves? They're going to say, this is too hard. 
I just want to be me. I want my own way, my own truth, my own understanding, my own life. And what is that going to bring them to? Corruption. Because they want God to be in their image, not in God's image. And you see, this is where the conflict comes in. They won't accept the high and holiness of God. They want to believe the lie of the serpent and roll around in mud, being no more than an educated animal, learning all sorts of lies and indoctrination in the school system, okay, to deny the, the truth and the knowledge and wisdom of the one true God. That's all this is. So they want God to be in their image. God made man in his image, fallen, corrupt man, the humanist. They want to create God in their image, even if it's themselves. Evil. Look at verse 24. Look at God's response. Wherefore, because of that, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. So why do people fornicate and do what they did? I know why I used to do it, because I thought that I could dishonor my own body and I would still be made righteous because I felt like it was the right thing to do. I didn't have to have sex before marriage. I can choose my own way. And you see, when you think like that, God gives you up to uncleanness. Why do you think, ladies and gentlemen, even for those who were not raised in a Christian home, why do you think that you felt guilt when you had sex before marriage. Even if your parents never taught that to you, something in you knew that that was wrong, but you continued to go that way. And what eventually happened? You became corrupted in your thinking. You were given over to uncleanness. Now let's see where this path leads. Look what they did in verse 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. So as you can see, this is where we get evolution. You're worshiping and serving man. You're worshiping and serving beast more than the creator who is blessed forever. So you, in order for that to happen, they've got to get you in the education system and some false religious systems and change the truth of God into a lie. Why? To turn your eyes away from Jesus and to turn them unto yourself. This is where all of this stems up. That's what the serpent did. He changed the truth of God into a lie and got them to worship him or themselves, worshiping and serving the creature more than the creator. Let's keep going. Look at this. We're almost done. Verse 26, for this cause, because they now worship the creature and not the creator, it says God gave them up unto vile affections, uh, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. So what does that mean? That because they are now in the, in the area of vile affections, like they're starting to slip, they're even beginning to have homosexuality in the midst. Women looking at women and changing the natural use of what God gave them, what he gave them to please themselves and just choose a mate of any kind, all because of humanism. You see, when man begins to worship himself that much, man begins to corrupt in his thinking, and he strays away from the righteousness and holiness and wisdom and understanding of God unto that made like the corruptible man. Well, whether it's man or woman, it'll make no difference. I could just enjoy myself, but this is not the natural use. A woman wasn't made for a woman. She was made for a man. 
Why do you think the two come together? Beautiful. You know, you don't have to try with a man and a woman. Their parts fit one another. And even then they can produce life, which means that they can beget what they had. This is but a humanist. A humanism tells you, no, what man says is right. So even if it don't fit, I'm going to try and put a square peg in a round hole. And even if I've got to chisel around it, I'll get it in there. But you see, it won't be natural and it'll have some damaging results, not just to our souls, but unto our physical bodies. Okay, look at verse 27. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, not likely, doesn't go together, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was me. So you see, they will end up getting the reward of their errors, which is due to them. And then you wonder why there's so many diseases and things running around. And I mean, you know, I mean, uh, you know what? I may have to get graphic for a minute so that people can understand. But humanism says to you that as a man, I can take my private part and put it in someone's mouth or a man or a woman's mouth. They're both wrong. Okay. Or I can do that because that's what sodomy is all about. Or I can take my private part and put it into their anus. Okay. And that would be the same as being with a woman. That's abuse, man. You don't love somebody. You hate them. You're having pleasure in defiling someone. And that's not of God. I don't care. I'm only telling you guys this out of love so that you can get over this. But you see, a human cannot think for himself. A human will only depreciate and devalue. Throw yourselves on the altar. Give your life to Christ so he can take these things from you. Our God is good. You know, and I've led many homosexuals unto Jesus Christ. I'm not hating you, man. I'm loving you because I'm showing you what the devil is trying to do, how he's trying to depreciate the people of God. You homosexuals were made in the image and likeness of Christ. And he doesn't mean for you to eat out of the toilet, you know, unsafe waste and all this filth. God wants you to become a holy people. Just accept him. Get out of your mindset. Throw yourself on your knees and give your life to Jesus that he can make you right. He'll restore you to your right mind because he restored me to mine. I was out of my mind before I found Christ. And these words are coming from love. If I love you, I'll tell you the truth. But if I'm lying to you or I want you to love me, and I can just tell you, okay, go on and live the life that you're living because you're only going to go to hell. I don't love you if I tell you that. If I love you, I'll tell you the truth. If you're standing in the street and a train or on the track and a train is coming, if I love you, I'll tell you, get out of the way. Why? I want you to be safe. But if I don't love you because I don't want you getting mad at me for telling you how to live your life, I'll tell you, stay right there on the train track. Okay. And if you get hit, oh, well. Well, I was just being kind and polite to them. No, if someone loves you, they'll tell you the truth. So he's telling you how they can, you know, get worse. Look at verse 28. This is the last stage of fallen man coming. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, you see where humanism brings you? God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So as you can see, 
This is what happens. You don't want God to give up on you or to give you over. God has given us all a chance to repent. If you can hear this and you are um, convicted in your conscience, it's not too late. If your conscience is dead to hearing this, there's a chance that you may be reprobate. So I just want to encourage people to give your life to Jesus because reprobation means disqualification. It means so rotten to the core that you don't even want God in your knowledge. You don't want anybody telling you about this. Give your life to Jesus while you've got time that you won't stray away. Humanism is wickedness. All humanism is meant to do at the end of time, as we read earlier, it's meant to turn you onto the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is going to lead you to Satan. Okay, even in false religion, there's there's the false prophet. The false prophet is going to get a one world religion and he's going to draw up everybody under the Antichrist, which is going to turn people into worshiping Satan. So this whole thing for humanism, it's a trick. It's a trick and a lie. And it's been a trick from the very beginning. All the devil wants to do is devalue you, depreciate you, that you may serve him and join him in the lake of fire when Jesus Christ returns. So look at this. It ain't just homosexuality here on this list, guys. So he says to do those things which are not convenient. Look at verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God. You guys hear that? Despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. You hear that, scientists? And then it says, disobedient to parents. You hear that, children? Humanism is the reason why we believe what we believe. Do you know that Alice Bailey, you know, who was an occultist woman, we did a teaching on this, it was called the 10 strategies of Alice Bailey to attack Christianity, that they have been programming our minds since the 20s, the 30s, and the 40s to believe in humanism and to get rid of Christian values because they know that as long as the Christian is shouting love for Jesus, that Jesus Christ is the only way, they can't have their one world order. What they want to have in the end is that whole world under Satan, but they can't do it as long as the Christian is shouting righteousness, holiness, giving your life to Jesus, being born again, you know, pointing out the sin of man so that God can cleanse it. That's what this is about. Verse 31, they don't have, uh, it says, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection. You see how you can be brought to filth and depravity? Because you, you will lose natural affection. This is why women can abort their kids. This is how humanism will even tell a woman that has aborted her child, she's a real woman. She makes her own choice. It's her right to choose. No, ladies and gentlemen, it's murder. And stop using the example of what if your mother were raped, because that's another plan of the devil. Most abortions occur in the less than 1% rate that rape is the cause of it. It usually comes from a couple of selfish people enjoying their lives, doing what they want to do, fornicating without the will of God. And what eventually happens is you have a responsibility you feel is too big for you and you don't want. And you know why? Because man is that selfish and that beast-like outside of the Lord. I speak from experience. I aborted my own child because of the fact that I was 19 and I thought 
that I can do whatever I wanted to do. And you see, that brought me to a sinful life. And I'm so glad that the Lord has pulled me off that ship because one pastor had the guts enough to tell me my depravity, my filthiness, my uncleanness, and that I would go to hell unless I, unless I served Christ. Thank God for Jesus. So he says, you know, without understanding covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable and unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So you see, humanism can bring you to the place of being totally deprived, that all you care about is self, and that is the spirit of Antichrist, self-preservation. All I care about is me, mine, and I. I got mine, get yours. But Jesus tells us the first and great commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And God didn't just leave that on himself. He then says the second great commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. On those two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So Jesus simplified it. He gave us two commandments. Care about your brother. Love your neighbor. Look after your neighbor because those things are pleasing in God's sight. So I just want to tell people here, I hope that they have some understanding of what humanism is, how destructive it is, and where it's going to take us in the end. The Bible tells us in the last days, perilous times will come because men shall be lovers of their own selves. Okay, so read 2 Timothy chapter 3 in your spare time, and you'll see the depravity of man. But I just want to tell people with that, I love you. I don't have hate in my heart towards anyone. I want people to be saved and experience the high life with Jesus Christ. I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundthetrumpetministries.com. Um, if you guys want to email me, you can email me at Derek, D-E-R-E-K, uh, Hallett, H-A-L-L-E-T-T, -T, letter J at gmail.com. So I answer them frequently so you guys can message me if you have questions, if you need prayer or counsel, you know, let us look unto the one true God because that's who I look unto. But if I can help in any way, you know, it's not leading you to me because all I'm going to do is point you back to him and give you some understanding of what his word says. Not my understanding, but his. So I just want to say to you guys, I love you all. And I'd like to pray out for those who are listening and hope that they search and understand and want Jesus. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for your time, and we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your spirit that you may preach the truth, that you may teach your people, Lord, that this was a plan 6,000 years ago that the enemy meant to try and destroy the people of God. And we just thank you for your truth and your light, that you have shed light on this diabolical and wicked plan that your people may come unto you, that they may choose you, that they may become righteous men and women. And I pray, Lord, that the hearers will take into consideration the words that were spoken today, for they were not words, Lord, of myself, but they had come from you. So we pray and we ask, Lord, that all these things be done for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I just want to say to that, guys, until next time, you know, uh, give your life to Jesus. Spend time in prayer and counsel. I'm Minister Derek Hallett. Until next time, see you.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.